Chapter 35, Part 2 of Angels of the Battlefield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Thomas. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. Chapter 35, Part 2. The South Bend Tribune, shortly after the return of the Sisters of the Holy Cross to their convent homes, printed the following. When in September 1861, General Lew Wallace, commanding the federal forces in southern Kentucky, applied to St. Mary's for nurses. Mother Angela, with five other sisters, hastened to the relief of the suffering soldiers at the camp in Paducah. And before the opening of the year 1862, seventy-five sisters were sent from St. Mary's and her branch houses to the military hospitals at Louisville, Paducah, Cairo, Mound City, Memphis, and Washington. Of this number, two died from fever, caught in the discharge of their duties. When the western flotilla of gunboats opened the Mississippi River, Commodore Davis asked and obtained the services of seven Sisters of the Holy Cross to take charge of the floating hospital, in which hundreds of lives were saved. These deeds were not done for the world's praise. They were the duties to which the lives of the Sisters of the Holy Cross are devoted, whenever suffering humanity requires their help. A memorial of those days now rests in St. Mary's grounds in the shape of two immense shattered cannon, captured at Island Number 10, and presented to Mother Angela by the commander of the flotilla. These cannon are destined to be molded into a statue of Our Lady of Peace, and will remain in St. Mary's grounds as a historical monument of the dark days of our Civil War. A correspondent of the Protestant Church Journal, writing from New Orleans in 1862, highly compliments the Sisters of Charity in that city for the amount of good they are unostentatiously doing, saying, among other things, One misses here a church hospital. Many of our federal officers and men are cared for when sick in the Roman Catholic institutions, the Hotel Dieu, and the Charity Hospital. The Sisters attend most winningly on their patients and force them to confess on recovering that their own mothers and sisters at home could not have done better for them. On leaving, the patient carries away in his hand some Roman Catholic book of prayer, or controversy, or instruction, and in his heart a grateful remembrance of the fair donor, a resolution to peruse the book, and a profound conviction that the Roman Catholic Church, with all its faults, certainly has a soul of true Christian love. Surely the time will come when all churchmen will acknowledge the angelic influence of Christian sisterhoods in the natural connections between curing the body and renovating the soul. The imperative necessity of organizing Christian and accomplished nurses and placing them in institutions where their love and skill can do the highest possible service. The Charleston Mercury, during the siege of that city, said, there is probably no one in this city whose eyes have not followed with interest the quiet and modest figure of some Sister of Mercy as she passed upon her rounds. It is in this gentle impersonation of Christian benevolence and to her associates that our sick and wounded soldiers 
oh, the tenderest of those ministrations, which are better than medicine in their effect upon the languishing invalid. Nor is the large kindness of these ladies solely displayed in the personal cares which they bestow upon the sufferer. They give generously from their stores at the same time, and many a want is thus supplied which might otherwise have been left ungratified. Since the beginning of the siege of our city, their presence has diffused its blessing in every hospital, and their unwearied attention to the soldiers have done incalculable good. In the closing year of the war, Rev. George W. Pepper, a Methodist clergyman, in a sermon preached by him in the Methodist Episcopal Church, White Eyes, Coshocton County, Ohio, eulogized these historic ladies as follows. The war has brought out one result. It has shown that numbers of the weaker sex, though born to wealth and luxury, are ready to renounce every comfort and brave every hardship, that they may minister to the suffering, tend the wounded in their agony, and soothe the last struggles of the dying. God bless the Sisters of Charity in their heroic mission. I had almost said their heroic martyrdom, and I might have said it, for I do think that in walking those long lines of sick beds, in giving themselves to all the ghastly duties of the hospital, they are doing a harder thing than was allotted to many who mounted the scaffold or dared the stake. Mac, a correspondent of the Ohio State Journal, writing from Murfreesboro, under date of January 4, 1863, about hospital scenes, which he describes as heart-trending, thus speaks of the kind offices and invaluable services of the Sisters of Charity. It is now a pleasure to turn from this dark and dismal description of the majority of our hospitals to an oasis, a something that is, in reality, bright and cheering. There is a sect called Roman Catholics, a sect that, in my younger days, I was taught to look upon as monsters, capable of any crime in the calendar of human frailties, who have hospitals in their own charge, attended by Sisters of Charity. They should be called angels, who know what true, disinterested humanity is. I have visited them, therefore I speak of what I know. Everything in and about them is clean and comfortable. Scarcely a death takes place within their portals. If a soldier is dangerously sick, you will see by the side of his clean and tidy cot one of these heaven-born angels, we call them nothing else, ministering to his every want with the tender care of a mother or sister. They glide noiselessly from cot to cot, cheering the despondent and speaking words of kindness to all. No one who has the heart of a man can help loving them with the holy sisterly love. There is not a soldier in Richmond, but would beg, if it was possible, that when wounded or sick, he should be taken to such a hospital. And for myself, sooner than be taken to any other, I would rather die by the wayside with God's canopy my only covering. Would to God there were more of them. The following account of a presentation to a Sister of Charity is from the Cleveland Herald of November 13, 1865. One of the most pleasant presentation affairs we remember to have attended took place at Charity Hospital yesterday at 11 o'clock. After Professor Weber, Dr. Scott, and the students had been seated, 
the lady superior was invited into the room and presented with a beautiful engraving. One of the proof sheets copied from the painting of Constant Mayer, entitled Consolation, by Captain Samuel Whitting. Mr. Whitting, in presenting the engraving, said, Sister Superior, some years ago, while in command of one of the New Orleans steamships, I was prostrated at that port with a severe attack of yellow fever, and though I had many friends there, had it not been for the tender care and skillful nursing of the Sisters of Charity, I have no idea that I should have survived the attack. During our late and fearful and bloody war, the devotion of your noble order to the cause of humanity has won the admiration of the world, and entirely obliterated the illiberal prejudices of the most bigoted opponents of your sect. Certainly, no soldier of the Crimean army will ever ignore the kind care and gentle nursing of the Sisters of Charity. Each hospital throughout our land could count them by the score, whose deeds have doubly sacrificed our long and bloody war, and many a home-returning brave will long delight to tell, of her the gentle minister who tended him so well. The mother calls a blessing down on her who nursed her son, and thanks of wounded heroes brave how well her work was done. True womanhood has ever proved self-sacrificing, brave, last at the dear Redeemer's cross, and earliest at his grave. The citizens of Cleveland may well be congratulated on the possession of this noble institution, the rare skill of its eminent and accomplished surgeons, the sound teaching of its learned pathologist, combined with the tender nursing of your good and benevolent sisterhood will relieve many of the ills that flesh is heir to, and restore to many a grateful sufferer the God-given priceless boon of health. As a small token of grateful recollections to my nurses at New Orleans, I beg to present to the Sisters of Charity Hospital this engraving, one of the proof sheets, copied from the beautiful painting of Constant Mayer, entitled Consolation, and with it the following poem which I take pleasure in writing for them, descriptive of the scene so admirably portrayed by the accomplished artist. A Union soldier in his tent, weak, wounded, and despairing lay. The hectic flushes came and went as rose the din of battle fray. The army of the Cumberland saw him with eager flashing eye, in its front rank undaunted stand, resolved to conquer or to die. Firm and unflinching thus he stood, while cannon belched through blood-red flames. His chiefest thought his country's good, and next perchance a deathless name. Sudden as lightning's vivid glare, shrilly shell burst above his head, a fragment laid his bosom bare, and stretched him wounded with the dead. Back to the rear the soldiers bore, the wounded comrade, faint and weak, his army blue was stained with gore, and death's pale seal was on his cheek. A surgeon dressed the ghastly wound, and counseled quiet and repose, then sought again the battleground, now thickly strewn with friends and foes. Left to himself the wounded man, bethought him of his early life, each wayward act and vicious plan, each worldly and unholy strife. 
and as he weaker grew, he thought, of his dear home far, far away, what would he give, could it be bought, for power to be there but a day, to close his dying eyes where first his infant lips had learned to pray, to kiss the mother who had nursed, the sister who had shared his play. He murmured, oh, for one sweet tone, of voices loved in days gone by, Dear mother, sister, oh, for one, to gently close my dying eye. He ceased, a face of radiant light, was in his tent and by his side. Each feature beautified and bright, free from all trace of human pride. She points him to a heavenly home, a house of joy, not made with hands. To the Redeemer calling, Come, who at the portal beckoning stands. Then she unclasped the book of prayer. Its oft-turned leaves were soiled and worn, for she had made her constant care, our wounded soldiers night and morn. For those dim pages she essayed to whisper to the wounded, Peace. Her gentle tones his fears allayed and bade his soul despairing cease. Sister of charity, he cried, Sister and mother, both thou art, For here, by my poor pallet side, Thou'rt one with them in hand and heart. O oh, hear me, and, though poor and weak, If I survive, I'll hold her dear, Who gently bathed my fevered cheek, And brought me consolation here. It now remains for me only to tender you This humble testimonial, of my regard and my hearty wishes for the fullest prosperity of the charity hospital and college, for the temporal and eternal welfare of the sisterhood of the first, and the continued health and usefulness of the eminent faculty of the last. The last remarks of Captain Whitting met with a hearty response from Dr. Scott in behalf of the Lady Superior in acceptance of the picture. The Memphis Appeal in its issue of February 17, 1866, thus bears testimony to the zeal and value of the Sisters of Charity in this city. Vincent de Paul, who has since received, so justly deserved, the title of Benefactor of Mankind, was the originator of that divine and charitable society, the Sisters of Charity, in a small town in France in the early part of the 17th century. The signal service rendered by them during the past civil war to our sick, wounded, and dying soldiers in camp, in hospital, and on the battlefield, and their unwearied and constant ministrations to the suffering and poor of all classes throughout the land, is the theme of praise and commendation on the lips of all, no matter of what religious creed or faith. Their godlike and noble works have won respect the most profound from everyone. In our own city, the result of their exertions are to be seen on every hand. In the cause of education, their stand is preeminent. With them, modesty, knowledge, and refinement are most carefully blended. The young girl, after a tutelage of years under their careful supervision, walks forth into the world with a mind as pure and free, and demeanor as gentle and kind as when first these precious charges were tendered to their keeping. And how carefully are the poor little ones, without parents and bereft of homes, 
provided for by these angels of earth. The asylum under their charge and guidance, situated near the Catholic cemetery, on the outskirts of the city, is the most complete institution of its kind in the state. A large number of orphans are educated, clothed, and fed here the year in and out, finding compensation only in the good they have done and the anticipation of a bright reward hereafter, from him who tempereth the wind to the shorn lamb, and under whose all-seeing eye every act of charity and faith is always recorded. Their labors in behalf of the sick are ever attended with the most cheering results. Take a look at our hospitals, and you will find everything well arranged, clean, and neat, and bearing the impress most unmistakably of the goodness of their hearts and the greatness of their works. The patients, one and all, express the most sincere satisfaction at their treatment, and pray, as all good people do, that the society which has rendered so much good to us and all mankind may be like the foundation stone of all blessings, truth, and with it ever bear the stamp of immortality. End of chapter 35, part 2 of Angels of the Battlefield